Welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We're turning dreamers into doers. If you're ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. Hello and welcome to the Hearts Unleashed podcast where we are turning dreamers into doers. And I am so excited and honored to introduce you guys to today's guest, Katherine Pluszynski. She is an emerging author from Denver, Colorado, whose debut, High Tides and Open Hands, chronicles her journey through grief. With a background in faith and spirituality, Catherine's work touches on themes of resiliency, healing, and the power of surrender. Her blend of poetry prose is deeply honest and raw and inspires readers to engage in their own stories. Follow her on Instagram. You guys, we're going to share all of this information with uh, all the stuff will be in the show notes, but she displays her affinity for sunrises, coffee shops, wine, and her deep love of the sea. We share the deep love of the sea, Catherine. And we also share a lot. We have a lot in common. I have gotten to, that was a formal uh, introduction of Catherine, but I have to dive face first into my introduction of Catherine because I have had the pleasure of knowing Catherine for, did you say a year more than a year? I think a year year. Happy, happy year anniversary. (laughs) We have gotten to work together through grief, through gratitude, through grace, through God, through all the things. And I am so grateful for a soul like Catherine who is willing to share her story with the world. And she just came out with this new book, High Tides and Open Hands, already speaking on podcasts and stages to share the concept, the importance of grief and grieving and opening your heart to the grace of God. And I just couldn't help but celebrate her by having her on the podcast. So Catherine, thank you for being here. Abigail, I'm so excited. And yeah, I feel like you know my soul <laughs> in so many different ways. And um, you have also been a huge factor in me publishing this book. You've been pretty much by my side through the whole journey. And you were one of the final people that was like, you should really write a book. And I was like, okay, okay, I get it. So thank you for just being you. Yeah. Well, thank you for honoring the invitation or accepting the invitation to write your book because, and you know what, I'd love to start there. Can you share with us your side of it, your experience of the journey to arriving at your first book? So I have always just loved writing. It's always been an outlet. Um, I feel like I just always need to journal to kind of understand interiorly where I'm at. Um, And I've, I've always wanted to write a book. It's always been a desire of mine, but I think the way that it happened, I couldn't have planned. And my best friend passed away my senior year of college and it completely turned my world upside down. Um, But I started writing through the process of it. And in July, so about a year ago, I was looking at all of my journal entries from the past four years of, from, you know, the day I found out all the way up to um, this year leading into the pandemic. And I just started compiling things together. And it honestly just kind of flowed from there and poured out of me and um, meeting you and you introducing me to Jeannie, our publisher, everything just fell together so quickly. And yeah, I just, I really couldn't have planned it better. Yeah. I love it. And I, I, as you were sharing that, I remembered why I told, well, I was like, you had to write a book because you were sharing your blog posts and your writing is so moving. I can feel it when I read. And I just, 
to me, it's this like X factor for a writer. Like, you know, a lot of people write a lot of things or there's a lot of people who journal. And I think that's important. I'm a huge advocate for journaling, but you are very articulate and you're, there's so much like flow in what you, and, 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 and energy infused into your writing. And so like, I just remember like drooling over your blog post. So thank you for that. And can you tell us like, just so I remember, what is your blog? Where can people find your blog? So I actually deleted it. (laughs) This is actually how my book started was Mm -hmm. I was continually putting up blog posts um, about my experience of grief. And a lot of my blog posts actually are in the book. And it kind of turned into this, okay, instead of me writing and then posting it, I'm going to make an entire compilation of all my words. And I want it, I want to physically have it and, and sell it and have it be a book. So where they can find your blog is in your book. So where can they find your book? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm selling it on my website at katherineplazinski.com. Very cool. Very cool. And you guys, again, we will be sure to have all the links in the show notes. You can follow her on Instagram because you're, are you posting a lot of content there as well? Yes. Good. Very good. And so, um, so tell us, okay, so putting it all together, got inspired and let's talk about publishing a first book period. Cause there was a lot of calls we had about just the publishing process or being seen as an author and like that concept. And we definitely have a lot of listeners. So I would love for you to speak into the hearts of the listeners who maybe they've got their blog or maybe they've got their journal, but they don't have their book yet. And this is awakening something in them. I think that the whole idea of publishing, especially your first book, it's so intimidating um, that it kind of scares you out of the idea of even like starting. No one teaches you how to do it. So it's like, how do I even go about publishing a book? I don't know anything about the publishing industry. Like, what does that even look like? So what I did was I started um, by talking to a lot of people who had experience, you being one of them. I called you all the time, freaking out. Like, how does this work? I don't understand. Because there's so many routes you can go, right? You can self-publish, you can find a publisher. But I remember having multiple conversations with people that are like, I've written five books. I'm just going to be real with you. It took me 10 years to find a publisher. It's a really hard industry to be a part of. And it was just so funny how quickly it happened. Um, for me. And I think that's one of the reasons why I feel like this book poured out of me. I feel like God guided so much of it that I really didn't have to white knuckle through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am very present to that. Cause honestly, I don't remember the timeline exactly, but I remember saying like, you're a brilliant writer and you should, you have a book in you. And then I think you like sent me a Google doc. Like I I have this book now (laughs) and it just seems so instantaneous. And, and to let, I've had that experience with my books too. Like I seem to can't, I can't write them fast enough because they are so divinely inspired. And so I just want to acknowledge and, and take a moment to appreciate that about it because I think, you know, for the listener who's inspired or fearful, like you said, it can be intimidating when you don't know that industry, when you don't come from that conversation it's like, where do I start or how do I start? And then all the options. And I don't tell this story a whole lot, but when I was writing my book in April of 2017 is when it came to me and I wrote it in about four months and I had never written a book either, but I was just letting it come out of me. And I would talk to anybody who would listen. Like anybody who was listening to me for more than five minutes, I started talking about this book. And I was at the gym and a guy said, I love that book idea and I have a publisher and I'll link you up. And it was Pina with Jeannie and all of that. And one phone call and one email and I had a contract and it was like, whoa, I 
couldn't have forced my hand at this. Like, thank you, God. Thank you, universe. Thank you, all of it. I just believe that that's how it works when we really follow what we're inspired to do. And so do you have any maybe like tips or things you'd like to say to those listening in that are ready to follow that inspiration? What was really helpful to me was I was reading Big Magic. So I would recommend that book to anyone who's in any type of process or wanting to start a process of creating anything. And it just helped me so much because I think the biggest takeaway was like to stop taking my work and myself so seriously and to just trust that, you know, it's going to come together and that's what happens. And I think it could be really frustrating when you're in that process. And I mean, you know, this feeling, but when you have something that you're so excited to share, like waiting feels like forever Um, especially like the editing process and like that, I was in that process longer than I was even in the process of writing the book. (laughs) So every day I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just want it out there. I just want it out there. But just learning to trust. I learned like a lot of patience, even though it happened, what seems like quickly, it felt like a very long time. Yeah. Especially like you said, when you're really, um, like diving in and, and you're ready every minute feels like a year. And the thing that was different about writing a book versus publishing blog posts, like I write something and then I'm so excited about it and I would instantly share, instantly get feedback. But I found so much beauty in this like quiet process of, I just, at the end of the day, knew that I I just had written some things I was stoked about. Um, and it was kind of like my own, just keeping it in my own knowledge Um, And then coming out with this like final product of all of it together was really beautiful. Yeah. One of my favorite questions to ask on the podcast, which I'd love to ask particularly in alignment with what you're sharing is what have you had to give up in order to have this life or have this book come to be? Control, which is funny because (laughs) my entire book is about surrendering control, Uh which just seems really makes sense, honestly. Yeah, I think especially the process of publishing it, and I was talking to you about this, but I thought that my processing was in the writing, but now the publishing it and letting it be out there, like this book feels like my heart. So it feels like there's tiny pieces of my heart just like out there in the world. And I'm, (laughs) it's scary, you know, Um, because for so long, it was just on my computer. It was like my story. and, And now it's in the hands of, of anyone who wants it. And so I've really had to learn to let go of control and just trust um, that it is impacting people however it needs to. And yeah, really having open hands. Oh, it's so juicy because it's so scary. (laughs) And I don't even want to like rush past that answer because it's so subtle to have to surrender control in that way. Um, I remember going through a coaching program when like, when we have an idea, it's like you said, it's on my computer, it's mine. I can control how big or small it is. But when we offer something to the world as to serve, it will become bigger than us, right? Like, cause God has that purpose of it. He's using it as a tool in this world. And so it can't just stay on one computer or it can't just stay in a few hands or And so um, particularly to meet for that book or for you, for them, people, readers who've never met you to hear your story and then connect with it and, and, and maybe be guided through their process of grief. Right. And, 
I think it's so special because it's ideal. It's very human of us to want to control all of it and how it goes and how it feels and all the results. And it usually ends up much bigger than us. So how have you been experiencing that process? How's that been going for you? The process of publishing it? Publishing, but like more along the lines of like what you've been sharing, like releasing control. Like how is that experience for you? It's so hard. (laughs) It's so hard. And it seems like a lesson God is teaching me time and time again. Actually, that's where the high tides and open hands comes in is this idea of surrender, which was continually just like a theme of my prayer for, for the past three years. And what really sparked it was I was praying one day in California and I had this imagery of God unclenching my fists. I have a part where I wrote this prayer down in my journal, but it's now in my book. And I said, God unclenched her fists, placed her hand in his, declared that she wasn't a rock, but a child, my daughter be free and be wild. And that prayer has led me through so much because this imagery of me with my with my fist clenched, trying to control and God just gently taking my hand and slowly opening it. I just want to speak to the listener right now. If you have goosebumps and tears in your eyes, me too. <laughs> uh, that's such a powerful prayer. Thank you for sharing that with us. And it's just so beautiful. And it's, again, your writing, your prayer, your what you've received and downloaded and and allowed to come through you. It is truly just the voice of God, like in so many ways. And so thank you for that. But this book is about grief. So tell us a little bit more about that, because I think that we all have unidentified or unattended grief, and it is not spoken about enough. And yeah, I would just love to like leave that statement or question open-ended to see what you might have to say about that. I identified that very quickly after going through such a traumatic and close grief experience of losing my best friend, of then identifying every single way of grief that we experience in this world. And it doesn't have to be death, um, Mm -hmm. but whether that's losing a job or whatever it is, um, a relationship ending, um, change, moving, like there is so much grief where we just, in situations big or small, we're losing something. And so I think it's grief affects every single person. And what I found was, I think writing this book was me fighting for space to grieve. And I did that physically because, you know, my book is now physically a space, (laughs) like there's pages, it's, I can hold it. It's, there is, it takes up space. And I think for the reader, I also intended to do that with my book is to create a space, my physical pages, where people can read the words and whatever comes up for them that relates to their own experience, let it come up. Like I've had so many people text me and be like, I'm sobbing through your book. And at first I was like, oh gosh, like it, like that's not good. But then I was like, no, that that's exactly what I'm writing about is we need to give people the space for that because there's not enough for it. We have to fight for it in a sense. And I didn't want other people to have that same experience of having to fight for it. Thank you for just making space for it because we don't. And I would even argue it's not normalized, right? Like it's not some, it's, there's that, like the cultural norm about like toughen up or get over it or what, you know, what are those tears going to do? Quit crying. I'll give you something to cry about. Like in whatever form we've heard it, it's like, suck it up or get over it. And 
particularly just in knowing you is like, that's not the method. That's not the pace. That's not the approach. And, um, and knowing a lot of people, helping a lot of people through grief. And I really like what you said, cause you were able to baseline it at a sense of loss because that could be, listen, I have grieved the loss of a cup that I love, like honestly, and it might sound silly, but you guys, like if we, when we are actually present to what grief is, it often ends up getting channeled through anger or rage or resentment. Like grief is this subtle piece and it's so human. And you said everyone has grief and it's so true. And if we don't acknowledge it, it just waits. I'd love to hear your perspective on this, but like grief is so patient. It will wait for you to feel it. (laughs) What do you have to say about that? A thousand percent. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many times where I think I had to learn to compartmentalize it, Mm. but it's, I can feel it when it comes up. And my, at first, my urge to just keep it there, keep it down. Like it just waited. I would feel it in the morning and go through my day. And I was like, nope, I I can't like attend to this. I have things to do. And it just stays there. And then like the second I'm like, okay, you know what? I just need to cry. Like Mm -hmm. that is why I realized grief just needs space. Because once you give it that, once you let whatever come up, it passes. Thank you so much for saying so, because you guys were so scared of letting it come, but it also goes. I feel really called to share a particular visual of I was supporting someone and we were actually out on a camping trip in the woods and he was grieving. He was angry. He was upset. And, and there was this stream and he was like throwing this tantrum and, and stood into the water, got into the water and like boots and pants and everything was just like in this water and like shouting and angry and stood in there for over an hour. And I, about 15 to 20 minutes over uh, in, I came over and I stood in there and I, I said, if this were the stream of grief, anger, resentment, whatever, look at it. Just look how it keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming and it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps coming and it keeps going. And if you look upstream, like there's more where that came from and it's always just flowing. And so it's like, it's always available, right? Like it's always, like you said, you would compartmentalize it, but it's just waiting. And there's always more where that come from. A lot of people expect to get to the bottom of the grief pit or the bottom of the rage pit. And by way of being human, we have that. There's something new to grieve every day. And there's also something to be joyful for every day. So it's, but grief is the one that we don't tend to because like you said, I don't have time for this. I do not have time to be sad or upset or angry or tired or whatever, but it doesn't have to last so long if we would just make room for it. It's so true. And I think even my book was a way of me releasing it because when you ask, you know, what did you have to give up in order to do this? In a sense, I had to let go of my pain. Yeah, I was clinging to it so tightly and, and almost letting grief form my identity. Yes. And I didn't want to let go of it. And I think that was part of my rebellion of when people told me to move on. It was like, nope, I'm almost going to prove you wrong by not moving on. But yeah. the book was like, okay, now I'm ready to. And I had this visceral experience of like, I want this grief out of my body. I want to be able to hold it and put it down. And I think that was something that you said about your book that resonated with me. Like it, it now feels like an experience that completely changed me, will forever change me. Grief will always, I will always have a relationship with it, but we're weirdly becoming somewhat of friends and I'm learning to how to sit down with it and have a drink and, you know, have a conversation and watch it pass. Yes. Pointing out that grief is an identity 
thank you. Like, thank you for offering that to our listeners because we do hold on to it. And particularly grief with death, there's a lot of identity wrapped up in that because we want to honor the person who died. Therefore, to like not be grieving them, there's a level of guilt to no longer be grieving and like maybe find joy or move on, right? So I would love to hear what you say about that. But it, but you, what you said was, like I chose out of it. I chose something new. I chose to like, it's okay that it's part of me and a part of like my past and a part of my day, but it's not all of who I am. Therefore, it's not an act of rebellion to move on, you know, to stay in grief. Like it, it's healthy to just process it. And um, back to that river story of my friend standing in the river is like, I remember I pointed that out and he was like, wow, like I could stand in this or I'm standing in this. I choose this. And I said, yeah, and you could just as easily step out of this river because it, as long as you stand in it, that's what's flowing at you. So that's what's going to keep coming. You expect this water to change. You expect it to turn into a happy stream, right? But you got to step out of the river and then step back into a new river. And so like that, and Anne, I said, do you want, I'm going to step out of here. Are you going to stay in or are you going to come out with me? And he's like, he started to walk out. He's like, I'm not ready to leave it yet. Like we choose our grief. Like it's so familiar. It's so comfortable. It's so predictable. And so like, we don't know who we would be without it. And so it's again, tied into our identity and he didn't step out of that river for another 40 minutes. He got all the way in there. And so, um, I want to toss this over to you though, about like that choosing and all of it, what you heard and what I just shared. I really identify with what you said about the pain thing, because and I get it. There's still days where I do it. It's like holding on to that pain feels almost like the most earthly thing I have left of my best friend. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like if I let go of that, then yes, I feel her in, in very spiritual ways. And I've learned that, wow, heavenly love is so much deeper than earthly love because we come to rely on things that aren't our physical senses. But yeah, I I totally understand why it's so hard to let go of that because it feels like letting go of that person. Mm -hmm. And there is guilt there. First of all, I love the ocean imagery that you just had with um, your friend in the river. And I think it's so true with how you're talking about, you know, you can't look at the water and expect it to be happy. And I think that is also a misunderstanding that we have with grief is like, we're so afraid to feel Mm. like we identify it as like grief is a sad, a sadness, which it is. And I felt the depths of pain and sadness that I've ever felt with grief. But on the reverse side of it, you know, it's not a happy and sad thing. It's like my being is in pain because I loved this person so much. It Grief is love that we're mourning. Thank you. And to be able to shift into... Cause like, I imagine like the gratitude of grief, like the, again, grace and my dad, actually, he was always, I don't know if he knew how skilled he was or what he taught me the way he taught it to me, but like, he always would go like, these are happy tears. These are happy tears. And like, we definitely would cry about good things. Or like, if we had a breakdown and we arrived to a breakthrough, like we could cry about that too, you know? And so just our relationship with sad, what what we think is like, you said grief is bad or sad, like sadness could be a good thing too. Or like, you know, there's just, um, have you ever seen the movie Inside Out? Yes. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of right now. Like it can be both. Yes. And so uh, that's a great, I've never recommended a Disney movie <laughs> on here, but <laughs> I should definitely recommend In-N-Out. It's so true. They're so intertwined and 
I'm sure people who haven't even experienced, I mean, everyone's experienced grief, but yeah, when you have those moments that you're like crying tears of happiness and then they turn into tears of sadness or whatever, like they are just so it's intertwined. And I think it's so easy for us to judge what we're feeling as good or bad. And then we get afraid of the bad. We don't want to feel it, which makes sense. It's uncomfortable, but then in that we're also shutting out the good. Yeah. I love what you just said right there too. Like, because something's uncomfortable does not make it bad. And like, it's just so powerful to know that because like, I love the coaching perspective is like, oh, you mean you're human? If you're going to attempt to cap your sadness and grief, you are certainly capping your joy. And like, like you said, love, like, the depth of grief is the depth of love. And so like, it is okay to have that strong of a feeling and to then, so I would love to kind of like lean a little bit into like regulation. How do we go on in life or how do we proceed? Or, you know, what, what do you have to offer in the way of that conversation? It's definitely a one day thing at a time. And I think becoming okay with the balance of it all Mm. To know that there's still going to be days that, you know, you're in denial or you can't get out of bed. That does not mean that you haven't made progress. You know, you will still feel both and, and to learn how to be okay with that. Balance. I love what you said. And I think there's an illusion for all of us in, in, in many senses of like arriving to some euphoric place. Especially with grief, because we're taught, okay, there's these stages and I remember going to my counselor. I I found a counselor right after Courtney died and walking in and he was like, okay, so what are you here for? And I was like, to make sure that I grieve properly. Like, Mm. excuse me, (laughs) what does that even look like? You know, (laughs) Yes. once I like started grieving, I was like, oh, wow. No, there is no way. The way I'm doing it different than the way my friend was grieving Courtney or her dad was grieving Courtney or, you know, there Mm -hmm. was no wrong way. And learning to trust that your mind and body do whatever it needs. And I think back to your question of how you proceed. What I experienced in the subtitle of my book is A Guide to Grief and Learning to Live Broken Open. Mm -hmm. That was a huge journey for me because for the few first few years, I lived broken closed. And that was that was okay. That was an okay way to proceed because that's what I needed in the moment. But I got to a point pretty recently where I was like, I'm tired of locking my heart in a box because I'm so afraid to love again because I'm so afraid to lose again. And how can I let this experience, you know, it it did break me, but that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like we talked about, like, how can I let this experience break me open so that actually I can get more out of life because this experience, it has shaped me and it's completely changed me. But how can I let that make me more open instead of more closed and to let love back in? Thank you. Thank you. So I appreciate that you're talking about death particularly. And for me, the grief process was centered around divorce. And so like, and I'll tell you what, our relationship ended in a 45 minute conversation. Like I, it was very much, it occurred to me as he died. I have not seen him since the day that our, that was since we broke up. And so he was there and then he was not. And Mm -hmm. in many ways. And so like, I want to say that because the afraid to love again, afraid to let love in, afraid to trust, afraid to like live open because obviously open as in being seen and being heard. But then when our heart is open, it's, it feels very vulnerable. Like, 
anything can get after it or, you know, you got, we mostly guard ourselves. And so I wrote down a note about not grieving equals guarded and grieving can start to like kind of melt those walls or, you know, melt Mm -hmm. that and allow room, take space and make room for whatever's ready to come in next or the, even just the grace of God or the grace of our, our people who are surrounding us and loving us. And there was one other thing you mentioned, which made me think of like the healthy versus unhealthy. Oh, you said that like, there's no right way and there isn't. And I remember going through divorce and obviously literally there are books about it, but I remember telling people who was telling me like the right or wrong way to do it. And I said, there's no book about this. Like there's no way to do this. And obviously there's literal books, but figuratively there's no one book about this, like the right way to divorce, right? It's like, it's such a nuanced conversation for every single circumstance. And that's why I think that getting the help of a professional is so, so important. And like you said, I want to grieve properly. Like I'm sure he helped you grieve in Catherine's proper way or the best way that like, again, what that made me think of was like, what's healthy versus unhealthy, right? Like, cause obviously we can turn to substances. We can turn to not caring for ourselves. We can check out of life. And that is also grief and it is not meant to discredit it. It's just everybody would want a healthy grieving process for their someone that they love is what I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even my subtitle of A Guide to Grief, it's yeah. it's meant to be ironic because yeah. my whole book is saying there is no yeah. guide, there is no way to specifically do it. Like it's your journey and you get to decide what that looks like. I love it. My first book title is also ironic, The Memoir of a Quitter, because it's all, yeah. Anyway, I, I, <laughs> I just love you so much. And so um, I love you so much. And I'm sure that our listeners love you so much. And so as we start to wrap it up, I'd love for you to remind us, like, where can we find you? Where can we be friends with you? Yeah, my Instagram is at Catherine Plu. Um, so follow me there. I have a link in my bio of my website, which is once again, katherineplazinski.com. And add me on Facebook, add me on whatever. My name is Catherine Plazinski. Awesome. And since it's probably how do you spell Plazinski, we will be sure to have that in the title, in the show notes, all the things, everything linked. So you guys friend her, grab her book, High Tides Open Hands, A Guide to Grieving Broken Open. Did I do that right? You're so close. So, go ahead. <laughs> High Tides and Open Hands, A Guide to Grief and Living Broken Open. Yes. Okay, good. You guys get this book and I feel called to invite you to get this book for someone who's grieving. Maybe it's not you. Maybe you feel like you've gone through the process. Maybe this isn't a season of grief for you. And maybe you know someone who would be highly served by this conversation and this support and this space. And so then Catherine, would it be okay if I let them in on a little secret that someday you might be a Hearts Unleashed book club coach? Yeah, go ahead. Awesome. Okay. So you guys, so this book, I have just been so honored to watch the birth of it, birth of Catherine as an author of her first book. I'm sure there will be more books to come as my guess. And I really felt called to have this book be available as a Hearts Unleashed book club. And that being, you know, Catherine talking about the pages of her book being the space to grieve. We also want to offer the space to grieve, a group coaching call. If you're not familiar with Hearts Unleashed Book Club, it is a six-week group coaching program where we invite people in to just share their heart, go through what they're going through, particularly read the book with the author. There are not a lot of book clubs that you can literally read the book with the author. So that's such a cool gift. And so Catherine, is there anything you'd love to share about that? 
I'm so excited. I, I just love that idea. And just hearing, hearing what people get out of it and yeah, how it's different for each person's experience. I'm honored. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't wait for people to, you know, be in that conversation because each book in the world offers a really important message and conversation and being able to just like sort through it with the person who wrote it and then be supported by them too, be supported by you, be supported by me and whoever else is like, I just think it's so special and it's so, yeah, unique to be able to do that work with the person who offers that work. So. Thank you for your openness to, to join our team for that. Absolutely. I'm so excited. Yay. So you guys stay tuned. That will be coming down the pipe, but be sure to uh, connect with Catherine online, grab her book. You can read it before the book club comes out. That's for sure. So um, get started and you guys, thank you. Is there anything, what, actually the last question I would love to ask you is what does it look like for Catherine's heart to be unleashed? Wow. What a great question. Um, I think for me to have my heart unleashed looks like being authentic to myself, being true to myself. And growth is something I seek on a daily basis. And I think learning how to be connected to God um, throughout all my days and how to radiate God's love. I love it. Unleashed for sure. So thank you for unleashing your heart here today. Thank you for sharing some of your light and your wisdom. I just love you. I adore you and I am grateful for you. So I am also grateful for you listeners. Thank you for being such loyal listeners of the Hearts Unleashed podcast. Be sure to connect with Catherine and be sure to jump on wherever you listen and leave us a review and then share this episode with someone you know, particularly someone who might be going through the grieving process. I think it's important that we let everyone know that grief is totally okay and healthy and allowed. And so thank you for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. We love you. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, visit us at heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.